welcome to our podcast, by the way, <laughs> which we are putting out. What's it called? Uh, we, don't we don't know, know. yet. What should we call it, so, John? <laughs> there is going to be an intro. I don't know. So we'll play the intro right now, but we're going to record the intro later. But uh, okay, because we're not sure what we're going to call it. We're thinking, you know, Bagentina, dead reckon, behind the scenes. Famous producer interview and more. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. Okay, so. Um... Welcome to the Bargentina podcast, presented by Tune Made Records. I'm your host, Fiona the Robot Lady. Stephen and Lisa Tuner Bargentina. This season is all about their new album, Dead Reckon. We hope you enjoy the show. Visit us at tunemade.com and be sure to say hi to us on Facebook or Instagram. This has been a Tune Made Records production. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so you can hear more about the stories behind the Bargentina songs. TuneMadeRecords.com a soundtrack for your life. But yeah, Lisa's got some great questions for you. So, why don't we why don't we ask you some questions? Because we just obviously we had a wonderful time recording with you, and you. we love your space, we love your face, we love your gear, we love your lack of fear. I'm trying to rhyme. So, <laughs> why don't we start with? We'd like to know a little bit more about you. How'd you get into music, Jonathan? How did you get into this game? Music or recording? Uh, well, bo- a little bit of both, I guess. I mean, I'd love to- I guess recording would be a wonderful story, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, recording, um, I made, I was in a band when I was in high school you know you guys I don't know if you guys ever saw that band or if I knew you then but um, we did all our recording super fast pretty much live off the floor minimal overdubs kind of in a day you know I made it like cassettes basically was that Paisley Suitcase? yeah yeah nice yeah and then the band sort of we kind of stopped and Kevin and Mark joined upstream with Russ and did that and I had gone away to school and I wrote a bunch of acoustic stuff and so I started recording a solo album with a friend who might rock who had a home studio and I did that album with him and then I did the first Jonathan Inc. album also with him and on that, on the second one I started like, hey, could, do you think I could like try mixing a song? Like, could you, you want to go, you know, watch a TV show for an hour and I'll play with the faders and see if I can make it sound like I want it to sound? And he was pretty gracious and let me do that. Cool. And, and in the meantime, I've been recording at home. Do you guys know Mike Brief? Uh I know the name. I forget. I, I can't remember. So he, he was kind of, he wrote some of the songs on some of the early Rise Up stuff, and he was a good friend of mine for White oh, Rock. Okay. And he and I both had, like, he had a cassette four track, and we used to do recording together. And I go to his house and play, and he come to my house. And, and so. You have a mosquito on your he head. He and some, I think. Really? It's gone now. <laughs> um, so I made these home recordings, mm-hmm. and they didn't sound as good as the studio recordings sonically, but I think because I have, was, wasn't under any pressure and I was recording at home, I could be more 
I could take more time, experiment more, and do some weirder, interesting things. And some of my friends were like, you know, your home recordings are more interesting. You know, they don't sound as good, maybe, but they're cooler or something. Yeah. So I decided that on my next album, I wanted to try recording myself. So I rented some gear from Long McQuaid. I went to my friend Tony's house, who I recorded my first two albums with, to the drums, because I didn't know anything about how to record drums. And he, I knew I needed like lots more mics than I had and all that. So we did the drums there. Aaron played. Aaron Boyce, who played with me, came in. We did a day of drums or something. Nice. And then I went home and did all the overdubs. And I set it up at Mike's house, and he played piano on some songs. And then I went to my friend Todd Simcoe's house to mix it, because I didn't know anything about mixing. And Sweet. so that was the way I was able to sort of do my home recording style, but in a better quality. Hmm. And then the next album was... Things Left Undone Undone, which we worked with a little bit with Colin Stewart, helped us record the bed tracks, and then I did all the overdubs, and, and I mixed that one. And then the next album, Lost, Lost Time, which I did the whole thing. So kind of over time, just got more confident doing different parts of the process and learning from other friends. And Yeah. And uh, ironically, though, I was telling someone this yesterday, the first time when I rented that gear from Long McQuaid, I had a friend who was acting as my manager. He had managed Pace in suitcase. And he knew of another band, and as soon as I had gear, like within a week or two, I rented it for like a month or something. Yeah. He was like, hey, can you do a demo for this band? Hmm. And uh, I did, we did take two songs, and then they wanted to make an album. And so I started doing recording on the weekends with them on Saturdays. And after about two years of doing demos with people and stuff, I was like, oh, maybe I could do this as a job. And totally. I started pursuing that, yeah. That's awesome, man. And here I am now. Yeah. So how many, If do you have an exact number? How many albums have you uh, recorded and produced over the years now? I don't have a number. I've never added it up. But uh, I don't know, like probably at least a couple a year, you know, for the last almost 20 years now. So whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you've been, yeah. you've been working... You've been working more the last few years, is that right? Or uh, it does seem like it's ramping up a bit over time. Yeah, that's cool. My my weeks are fuller than they used to be. Yeah. So we know what what our answers. Lisa has a clear memory. Oh no, I'm thinking of the other story you told. What do you remember when you first met us? And it's not a test. I'm mm. just curious because no, I. Yeah, I'm under. I'm trying to think, like... I mean, we've talked about that pool party at your house in Surrey, but obviously yeah. me before then. Yeah. And I can't remember if I had played on the album you did with Steve before that, but I knew you probably before that, too. So I don't remember where we first met, really, or what the connection was. I Wasn't feel it? like... I feel like it might have been with Joe because, you know, we both knew Michelle, who played with you for many years. Yeah. And I, I feel like maybe I came to see you play, you know, like she, either she invited us. I think then, that's what it was. Yeah, because Joel wanted to try to do a show oh. with you or something. So we came to see you play. So and then, the open up stuff? And then the, but the, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. Cause I think open up stuff was after that, but I never actually, okay. I just kind of met you like, hi, hi, you know, like, and then Steve really wanted to use you on open up so we got you out for 
what a day or two, a day maybe, and mm-hmm. and uh, it w- it's funny because it was after that that I started listening to your music, and I was like, oh my gosh, like what have I been missing? This is amazing. And then I got more familiar with your producing as well, but mostly from your own music. And um, you know, I there are yeah. a few moments where I. I maybe I heard something on the radio and someone said, you know, like the, the DJ's like, yeah, and that was produced by John Anderson, and I'm like, oh, oh, I doubt it. No, seriously, like I was listening to CBC Radio <laughs> one night and this beautiful they song. They mentioned my name. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, they like it, I forget which it was one of those two guys that you've done a lot with the last ten years. What was was it Jordan or? Um, Maybe the other guy. Anyways, but it was it was amazing. And then they said they said Jonathan Anderson. I was like, oh, I should have known because it was just so beautiful. So, wow. So yeah, I mean, we met you. You know, in it was just like this slow kind of, and then it, it all sort of. It's all muddy now, but I mean, yeah, like we have a lot of mutual friends. But so yeah, right from. Sure. After playing, after having you play on a record with me, and then listening a lot to your music, I was like, man, I would love to work with this guy. You know, like have you produce us or something one day. But then we started having babies, and we just <laughs> stopped making music as a as cool. Bagentina. You started getting but, into recording too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in a way, it was, you know, as sort of a. Yeah, to do my own music, but also I did a few demo things and a couple records with guys from the church I was at. And, but uh, then you played on my next record, too, on the Exalted Beloved, but you did all that at your place. And yeah. and again, I was like, man, his tracks sound so good, and he's just got such a good ear and feel. And, and Steve, who produced one of my... produced Open Up, was always talking about just your like your your feel and groove and tone. So and that's just like at the top of our list when we're looking for people to play with or work with. So mm-hmm. cool, man. That's that's it's, uh, the, it's the butter. It's the butter. <laughs> <laughs> I bring some bread and you put nice. butter on it. So uh, yeah, like why don't you, what how would you describe uh, the music that you typically create? Or what's your creative process? How about that? Oh, she changed the question on you. Oh, sorry. No. Same words. Pick a question. question. <laughs> Pick a question and answer. <laughs> yeah, I like Lisa's question. I, uh, I mean, I don't get to I determine win. the style, so. Yeah. I don't know if I. I guess that's... What's I your... haven't turned down a lot of work in my career. <laughs> yeah. So I work on the stuff that comes to me and. It is tends to be a lot of songwritery stuff. Sometimes it's more band oriented, but you know, yeah, in that world of alt country, indie pop, indie rock kind of stuff. Right on. So, but yeah, I don't know. The process is kind of fun to talk about because though I think I think I've been thinking about this recently. What is it that I like about doing this work? And I think I've realized because at Christmas, my mom, we were all together with our fam, my family. And my mom was playing this game on her phone called Wordscapes. And I can't remember if I talked about this with you guys. I remember something about this. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I put that app on my phone at Christmas, and I'm now I'm at, I just passed level 2,500. 
That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's just puzzles, like it's word yeah. puzzles, and I think I realized thinking about this game that I think that's what I like about music and mixing and recording is that hmm. it's kind of like puzzles. Like every project is unique, and that's what's fun about the game. Every puzzle is different, so every combination of people and songs is different. Even the same person on the next batch of songs will be different, you know. So there's always this sort of moving target thing that's. So I like the fact that it's never the same because I, I get bored, I guess. I don't want to do the same thing over and over. <laughs> nice. Um, so I like the variety a lot that's involved inherently in the process. And some people, I think, hear a song and they have it all in their mind and they can kind of know it, exactly where it's all going to go. I don't think I'm exactly like that. I think I'm more... I often will say that I feel like it's an intuitive process when you just sort of start it. You have an idea, an impulse to go in a direction, and then that first decision, then you go, oh, now they've got that drum beat. Wouldn't it be cool to put this kind of bass on it? And, oh, yeah, some kind of keyboard would be cool. You know, so it, one decision leads to the next. and Totally. And so the process unfolds. And it, yeah, so I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but I like I kind of do trust that the process always does work and you always end up somewhere and very rarely am I disappointed. And if you are, you know, then you can scrap a day and try it, try it differently. But, you know, all the years I've been doing this, I've only ever done that a couple of times. Like where we like did a version and we were like, yeah, I don't think that was the right version. Let's do a different one. Yeah. So, That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, trusting your gut and like making that first choice, I don't know, like, committing to it, you know, like, even, there's a couple songs on this record where, um, well, one song, I felt like the tempo was wrong, but it grew on me, and now I can't think of it at a different tempo. Another song that we did was, I think that was, uh, Leave Leave This Town. Um, like, I I felt like, oh, it's too fast, but now I'm like, no, it's good, it's perfect. And and then the other song was, um, Counting the days, I I just wasn't sure of the on the um, I can't remember if it was the, like the drum beat or just something something about the pattern like the groove and but now like yeah. I love it and it's actually it's the second song on the record and it's like it's perfect. Do you remember like, that song? I remember that you didn't like the ver- the verse beat, and right. I I had recorded that with Sam when you guys weren't here, and I had a couple versions of him playing it slightly different, and we ended up choosing a yeah a different pattern for the verses because what he was playing works good in the choruses but it felt a little too peppy for the verses so. mm-hmm. right yeah yeah i remember that i, remember I that. think well i think it's because like that that double snare thing and i just thought i just yeah. never heard that when i originally played it and wrote it but now like i just love it and it references like certain a certain era and a certain certain kinds of music that just like it's good yeah. like it, i i love it but it's just not it wouldn't have been my first idea but my first idea always ends up making everything sound the same anyway so there you go (laughs) but uh I have a question yeah Lisa's got a question okay Um, uh, question from the audience (laughs) (laughs) when when you're producing and recording people what's your like your number one and or number two favorite uh tool to use like your your all time favorite go to in terms of a mic or oh. um, a piece of gear that's like yeah 
I don't know. That's an interesting question. Your best that, that friend in the recording process. <laughs> well, oh, here, interesting. And I here's, don't know if I have one. Here's one way yeah. to ask it too. This was, I think. Or I have many of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, what about the like the like the. Uh, what do you call that? A deserted island? Like the you're stuck on an island? A and, desert island? Or desert island? Yeah. You, so like you have, let's say, you have to pick one mic for the rest of your life. Ooh. Is there one? <laughs> oh, that'd be really hard. <laughs> okay. Know. How about one compressor? I, don't know. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> you've had the same thing with gear. Where yeah, I think. I think you just get in- interested in different ideas, and you get bored, and you want to try something different, and maybe mm-hmm. if you use, like, uh, condenser mics a lot, so then you're like, oh, I'm going to try ribbon mics. Oh, ribbon mics are cool. And then you're like, oh, after like, a couple of years, ribbon mics are kind of dull. I want to go for something different. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I feel like now I have a lot of different tools, so if I want a certain sound, I can reach for that tool, but there's definitely not one thing that does all of those things. You know? Yeah, totally. Well, that's one thing I love. So I, I'm a bit of a gear, a, yeah. a gear hound, I guess. But I, I try to be like, looking at my gear every couple of years, and if something hasn't been used and I haven't touched it in a year, then it's time to sell it. Yeah. So, I don't keep around too much stuff that doesn't get used. Yeah. I try, and I try to sell it for things that will get used. So, like I sold a guitar a year ago to buy the Mellotron, and I use the Mellotron all, all the time, and I hardly ever use that guitar. Yeah. Right on. So, so, I have a yeah. ra- I have a random question for you. What is uh, sure. what is the most uh, trouble you've ever gotten into, uh, uh, <laughs> musically and or otherwise? <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Hmm. F- feel free most to uh, <laughs> edit or. Yeah, make something up. No, I don't. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few interactions, you know, sort of interactions with people that were uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I had one person who got, uh, who I worked on a project with, who was really intense right from the get go, and his his goals were super unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And I did my best to meet them all and did you know to give him what he wanted, but. Uh, in the end, I asked to get paid before I gave him the final versions of everything, and he completely lost it on me and freaked out like how dare you you know uh, like you don't trust me or something I'm like no this is just my normal business practice yeah no kidding let the final versions walk out till I'm paid yeah but he just lost it so that was kind of a really uh, terrible moment that hasn't happened very often oh man and then another one, I think of a mutual friend of ours who shall remain nameless that I was working on a song with. And I had to point out that the song we were working on sounded exactly very close to another song that by an artist that we both loved. And I felt so bad to have to be the one to say that out loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then he knew and he was really embarrassed. And I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, better than 50 people saying it later when it came out I guess <laughs> yeah totally. I sort of feel like that's what a producer's job is you just have to be willing to say the thing that people are sensing but don't want to say yeah. oh totally yeah yeah. like I, re- I realized that my first band we often would work on songs in our jam space and we'd think they were awesome but then we'd play live and you'd hit a certain part of the song and you knew it just wasn't working you'd look at each other and be like we better remember this later because like, yeah. we didn't realize this when we were playing it in our jam space, but this part's not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, so there's something like 
something about, I guess, just being willing to vocalize things and, yeah, I don't know, it's part of the job, I guess. But in general, I mean, if people are, like, I mean, for us, when we were like, man, we want John producing this album, we're choosing you because we know you and we know your style and, you know, we trust your process as a producer. So, like, the prop, you know, that's what people are coming to you for, right? To say those things, to be the person that says, no, I think it's going to be better this way or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I right? mean, and I've worked with... I think that's, I think that's true, but not mm-hmm. everybody, once they get into it, is as open, you know? So sometimes, and I can relate, actually, because my first band, I think I was really, like... Uh, I didn't want a lot of creative input from the person that we recorded with. I felt like, this is our band. How dare you tell me that the right. bridge is too long? Like, we put it this way because we think it sounds good. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Yeah. So, like, sometimes people say they want a producer, but then they're really guarded because it's like they're babies and they don't want to give up or change a thing. So, yeah, totally. I think the best collaborations are when people are open, but not everybody is in the same place. Well, yeah, you talk about that actually on your website. You talk about your creative process and how you like to sort of have that open starting point. Like, you don't want someone coming in necessarily with, like, you know, A to Z, everything's all set out exactly how they want it to be because then your influence as a producer is not invited into that process, right? Well, yeah, and I would often say if I met with somebody and they knew exactly what they wanted for everything... I would say you don't need me. You know, like yeah. What, what's beeping here? Hold on a sec. Sorry, there's alarm. Just hi, Alisa. Just arriving, and various cell phones are going off. Hi, Alisa. The tunes. <laughs> <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, I can't remember what we're talking about. That's okay. We have one more question about you before we just talk. Maybe talk a bit about our record, but um. Yeah, sure. I do want to say, like, at least I was talking about the first time we called you about this. We were driving, and we were like, we got him, you know, Lisa's like, this is stupid. We just got to make a record. And I'm like, okay, let's call John and ask him if he's open to it. And, um, <laughs> and I just knew that I wanted to work with you because I had heard a Christmas album that you had worked on for somebody, and I guess before they... I don't know if it was a karaoke thing or if they were going to sing on it later, but you had sung all the vocal parts, just almost like a ghost. And it was just phenomenal. What? It was a Christmas album, and I just knew this is the guy I want to work with. What? He sounds like a me- I don't know. I did, I, I'm just joking, but I did hear, I just, I heard in a record that you had sung on, like, I think it might have been something that you and Steve did together, and it was like you. I was going to say, I think it was one time I've ever done that, he got me to sing a scratch vocal because the artist wasn't there or something. Yeah. What? And I was like, this is amazing. It was like some big. Christmas thing. It was I don't just know. So we could like build the song and have yeah. people like in the in our ears to hear. Yeah. But um, it was like a really terrible version of me trying to like just copy someone's song. Yeah. I don't no, know it was great. Was it was great. But that was wow. just a random memory that just came up. But the question I that Lisa That's had. Funny. Lisa wanted us to ask you: What is the most useless talent you have? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! It sounds know. like a like a. I don't know, like a cheesy kids event icebreaker or something. Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I'm sure I have lots. I'm good at at wordscapes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah twenty five hundred. 
Yeah, I started a game yeah. at the same time that Bricks and Balls won, and I'm only I'm not even yeah. at 500 yet. So you're way ahead of me. In games. Well, maybe your levels take longer to finish. Like these are just. Maybe have you ever not. played it? It's actually a fun game, but Sammy likes that games. one. Sammy got me playing that yeah. a little bit with him, but but um, yeah. I should get back into it. Hey, okay, J- so if you got more time, we just want to ask you a little bit about this. Right? And it turns out John did have more time. So we will share that in part two of this podcast episode. But first, guess what? If you are a patron on our Patreon page uh, membership, you get to hear the extended version of this podcast. Today's extended after hours version is a special playlist on YouTube. It's unlisted, so you got to be a Patreon uh patron to find out where to where to listen to this watch listen i've put together some of my favorite jonathan inc songs john's own songs that he's written and recorded under his amazing band moniker jonathan inc uh they're an amazing band as well um seen them live over the years a few times and always always love it so i've put up some videos a couple of videos of him live um stripped down but also uh, some songs from his album Lost Time, which is such a great record. And you'll hear more about it in the extended After Hours. It's, a, it's an unlisted link to this YouTube playlist. So you've got to be one of the patrons to get access to that. And I'm excited to share that with you. And guess what? Next week... We have a new single coming out. It's called Something New. And it's Something New from Toonmade. Toonmade Records presents Bagentina. That's me trying to put on a radio voice. Anyways, we'll talk to you next week. And we'll be sharing some more about stories behind the songs on our new album, Dead Reckon, coming out at the end of August 2020. Thank you for listening.